Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Jesus told us we have to be attuned to the signs of the times. I've tried to do just that. All of the signs I'm seeing are glum at best. When we take time to think about them, these signs are actually frightening to most of us. They shouldn't be, though. Now more than ever is the time to be optimistic about the future and everything that's going on in the world. I'll happily explain this when we come back. What did Billy D. Williams The celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross. Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity. How the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Where do I start? I don't even recognize the world or this country anymore. It's nothing like what I grew up in. People who don't know how to think or use logic and reason must be living in absolute despair. That's probably the biggest reason suicide rates are at an all-time high. Thanks be to God, you six-packers are thinkers and smart people who know how to use logic and reason. You're in a minority of people who will be able to grasp and understand what I'm talking about today. The entire world's in conflict. Most of the conflict seems to be between the ruling class and the people being ruled. The people of Hong Kong are fighting for liberty against communist China. The people of North Korea and Venezuela are just trying to find food for their survival because of the failures of their governments. Every nation in the Middle East is in conflict with one another. It's not just Israel against the Arab world anymore. In the nations that have traditionally been pro-life and outlawed abortion, there's a sudden push for every sort of death legislation imaginable. What's happening to this previously somewhat sane world, the world that banned together and defeated fascism in the 1940s? We've gone from sanity to complete insanity, with the inmates running the asylum. Those insane inmates running things are the members of the ruling class. There are six-packers in foreign lands, but most of you are right here in the United States. Our country is pretty much a microcosm of the rest of the world, so I'm going to approach today's topic from an American's perspective. Fascism is on the rise all over the world, especially in America. No, Donald Trump isn't the reason why. If anything, President Trump has done just about everything that can be done to bring us together as a nation. But the fascists have so forcefully pushed back that things have only gotten worse. The fascists have painted themselves as anti-fascists. That's why Antifa exists, and they're the worst organized fascists in the country. 
They claim they're pushing back against modern American fascism, but they're the fascists. They're completely against free speech. Their idea of free speech is saying or writing only the things they agree with. They do their best to destroy anyone who speaks or stands against abortion, the evil and destructive LGBT agenda, illegal immigration, or stands up for our Constitution, especially the Bill of Rights. Our Lady of Fatima told Sister Lucia that the last great battle between heaven and hell would be for the family. That's certainly taking place today. The family's been under attack for generations, but only keen observers over the decades recognized it. Now everyone can see it. Nothing is more destructive to a civil society than attacks on the family, and the anti-family forces are winning. It all began with the acceptance of artificial contraception, which began with the Anglican Church in England at the Lambeth Conference in 1930. The Anglicans were the very first Christian religion to accept contraception. All the others said that the use of contraception would condemn its proponents to hell. Now the Catholic Church stands completely alone in condemning this practice, and attempts to change that may occur soon, but I'll talk about that a little later. Once artificial contraception was generally accepted and embraced, there came legalized abortion, just as Pope St. Paul VI warned in his 1968 encyclical Humanae Vitae. After artificial contraception and abortion came the perverse LGBT agenda. Thanks to artificial contraception, abortion, and LGBT, every country on the planet is running far below the replacement rate in births. In other words, we're on a steady course to self-extinction. Thanks to environmentalists, animals and trees are safe, but humans are becoming an endangered species. Sex and fulfilling sexual lust without responsibility has become the norm. According to Pew Research Center, 85% of respondents think it's perfectly all right for couples to cohabitate before marriage or rather than marrying, which is why marriage is in drastic decline. Apparently, the reason for this is merely sexual satisfaction, because the level of trust for cohabitating couples versus married couples tells the tale. For example, only 71% of cohabitating couples trust their partner to be faithful, while 84% of married couples maintain that trust, and only 58% of cohabitating couples trust their partner to act in their best interests, as opposed to 74% of married couples. People who cohabitate are far less likely to have children than married couples, but even those are damn few these days. All of this explains why the family is becoming a thing of the past. For the past several decades, high schools and colleges have ceased being learning centers and have become indoctrination centers for far-left ideas. They've indoctrinated students to believe that God and religion are hoaxes and fantasies foisted on people by a conspiratorial ruling class who would enslave them with superstition and fear. They've indoctrinated students to believe human life has no value, making abortion and euthanasia perfectly normal. They've indoctrinated them to believe that sexual satisfaction is the end-all, be-all of human existence and that any perversion, 
everything from premarital sex to homosexuality to bisexuality to bestiality to pedophilia is acceptable behavior. They've also indoctrinated students to believe that socialism and communism are the best governmental and societal models to live under. In fact, just the other day I read where a professor who escaped communism to live here quit his teaching post because, in his words, colleges and universities have become full-blown communists. In an effort to advance these indoctrinations, they've now begun in elementary schools. Very explicit sex education programs have begun in second grade. They're going so far as to teach fellatio and contraception to seven-year-olds. This grossly immoral indoctrination is only in a few schools right now, but you can be sure it's coming to your school district soon. However, already in the grade schools are indoctrinations against religion that evolution is a fact rather than a theory. Yes, families in the family unit are under a devastating attack, and it's become apparent that we can't count on Pope Francis to help us fight this. Thanks to him, the long-prophesied apostasy of the church is well underway. Since this pope assumed the chair of Peter, he's appointed pro-homosexual, pro-abortion, and pro-socialist priests as bishops and high-level Vatican officials. Through the German Bishops' Conference, he's begun entertaining the idea and preparing the people for sanctioned sacrileges against the Eucharist by permitting Catholics in irregular marriages to receive communion. He entered into heresy when he changed the Catechism of the Catholic Church on capital punishment, reversing 2,000 years of Catholic doctrine. Jesus taught us how to pray when he gave us the Our Father during his Sermon on the Mount. Now Francis wants to improve on Jesus' perfect prayer by sacrilegiously moving the phrase and lead us not into temptation from the Our Father. Popes throughout the centuries have referred to themselves as successors of St. Peter. The Pope has referred to himself on multiple occasions as the successor of Jesus Christ. When I first read that, I couldn't believe it. Almost a year ago, I asked Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke if it was true that Francis had referred to himself as the successor of Jesus Christ. He said it was true. Folks, this language is Antichrist. The worst thing done by Francis is the papally sanctioned Amazon Synod that concluded at the Vatican last month. The Senate organizers invited homosexual and abortion activists to be participants with the full approval of Francis. The Senate proposed the ordination of married men to the priesthood and the ordination of women to the diaconate. The Senate promoted pagan rituals to be used as part of the liturgy. To close the deal, so to speak, three pagan idols were brought into the church and used as part of the Mass, then set up on display in the church, again with papal approval. This was a grave act of sacrilege and a desecration of the church. The thing that told me we're in the final conflict between heaven and hell for the church was something that happened at the USCCB meeting in Washington last week. The papal nuncio to the United States addressed the nation's bishops on the first day of the meeting. He gave the bishops an ultimatum. He told them they will advance Pope Francis' magisterium to the American Catholic laity. That means Rome is ordering our bishops to advance heresy, dissension, and confusion on the laity. 
But something even more sinister is in the ultimatum that most pundits haven't picked up on yet. The nuncio told the bishops they had to promote Pope Francis' magisterium. The problem is that Francis doesn't have a magisterium. Only the church has a magisterium, which is the church's divine teaching authority. So I have to ask if this is more Antichrist language coming from the man claiming to be the successor of Jesus Christ. Things are bad in the world and the church. Very bad. Don't expect them to get any better anytime soon, because they won't. In fact, expect them to get worse. Much worse. Now that I've told a story of gloom and doom, you're no doubt wondering how I can say that now, more than ever, is the time to be optimistic about the future and everything that's going on in the world. Well, in a nutshell, I've read the book and know how it ends. We win. There are several possibilities to explain what's going on. The least of these possibilities is that the world is experiencing growing pains and things will get better in the church when we get a new pope. I personally don't believe that, but it's possible. Another possibility is the fulfillment of prophecies that have been made over the last hundred years. These prophecies, made by such visionaries as St. Padre Pio, have been about a global chastisement called the Three Days Darkness. If this prophecy comes to pass, demons will be unleashed from hell to roam the earth while it's in total darkness and one-third of the world's population will die. I won't go into detail about the Three Days Darkness because it would take too long for this episode, but I very highly recommend going to Amazon for books on the topic. There are a number of very good and well-researched books available there, and none are difficult reading. In the meantime, I even more strongly recommend you get a supply of real beeswax candles and have them blessed by a priest, because they'll be the only way you can have light during the three days' darkness. The third possibility is that we're entering the final days of human existence. Jesus may be returning to earth soon to judge all mankind and destroy the world with fire. That's good news, not bad. In fact, it's great news. If we're about to see the three days' darkness, there's not much to do beyond knowing and understanding the prophecies and personally preparing ourselves. On the other hand, if Jesus is returning soon, a whole new obligation falls on each of us. This obligation will take us out of our comfort zone, which means it'll be real hard on most of us. Jesus never promised a bed of roses, though, only the thorns. In Revelation 3:15 and 16, Jesus said, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you were lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. The Douay Reims version says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. We've been lukewarm far too long, especially American Catholics. Now we only have two choices. Get fired up or let Jesus spew us from his mouth. I'd rather get fired up. For years I've taught that all the obligations we have as Catholics are under two primary responsibilities. One is to become a saint, as Jesus told us in Matthew 5.48. The other is to share the faith, as he commanded us in the Great Commission. Regarding the first responsibility, if you don't want to become a saint, why in the world are you a Catholic? That was the whole reason Jesus established the Catholic Church in the first place. 
But the other obligation is one with a sense of urgency if Jesus is returning soon. We're obligated to share the faith with as many people as possible to give them one final opportunity to fulfill the purpose they were created for, which is to know, love, and serve God. Begin with lapsed Catholics and Catholics who live the faith like they're at a cafeteria, you know, picking and choosing what to believe. Then move on to non-Catholics. Evangelization is probably so foreign to the thinking of most of you that the very thought of doing it scares you to death. When I've told students over the years that they have an obligation to share the faith, the reaction I get is usually a deer-in-the-headlight look. You'd have thought I just told them they had to take out a terrorist camp by themselves and armed only with a pocket knife. But once you get past the fear of doing something completely out of your comfort zone, it's really not difficult at all, and I've got resources to help you. First, you can begin learning the faith well enough to convey it by beginning to attend my Sharing the Catholic Faith webinars every week. You can begin getting invitations to these by signing up to my email list on joesixpackanswers.com. The link will be in my show notes. The other resource I have for you is a book I wrote last year called The Lay Evangelist Handbook. There's no other book like it. I took 30 years of experience in making converts and reverts and gave it to you in this book. I show you step-by-step how to evangelize and share our holy and ancient faith with anyone. I know these steps work because I've used them for 30 years and I never deviate from them. There's a link for this book in my show notes as well. This episode should help you better understand my motto, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Joe Sixpack. Six pack.
The Every Catholic Guy wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the Associated Press. A Minnesota man had Jesus Saves printed on his running bib. Unfortunately, he collapsed during the race. Behind him was a registered nurse and atheist who performed CPR and helped save the runner's life. The nurse's name? Jesus. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the Daily Wire. Several Catholic bishops lambasted Father James Martin for publicly questioning the Bible's view on homosexuality. You are challenging the deposit of faith that I promise to defend. As bishop, I'll keep defending it, stated Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to the National Catholic Register. A young Mexican woman who was named a beauty queen in her hometown has decided to join the Poor Clare Missionaries of the Blessed Sacrament. I was very happy with everything I had, but it does not compare with the happiness that God now places in my heart, said Elsmerelda Solas Gonzalez. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to Catholic World Report. Bishop Michael Sheridan of Colorado Springs discusses the challenges to evangelize in the face of scandals and ambiguities. This is a must-read interview. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to Catholic World Report. There's no going back to the pre-industrial revolution age, but we can and should think more carefully about the nature of work and what it means to women and families. This is another must-read article for husbands, wives, and those who hope to be married someday. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. Einstein famously defined insanity as doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I think that's a pretty good definition of insanity. If this definition is accurate, it demonstrates that we Catholics in America are completely nuts. For over 50 years, ever since the neo-modernists began to sabotage the work of Vatican II, we've done the same things year after year to promote the faith. Year after year, we've expected different results. That's nuts. This form of insanity wouldn't be so bad if the results every year were the same, but it hasn't been. The annual result has been throwing the church in America in reverse at an alarming rate. Did you know that one out of every ten Americans is an ex-Catholic? If they were a separate denomination, they'd be the third largest denomination in the United States after Catholics and Baptists. One in three people who were raised Catholic no longer identify as Catholic. 6.5 people leave Catholicism for everyone that joins. 50% of young people who were raised Catholic are no longer Catholic today. 
and 79% of former Catholics leave the church before age 23. This is the result of what I call nice Catholicism. We're all taught from Scripture, priests, sisters, and parents to imitate Jesus. That we're taught this is a good thing, and it's 100% true. However, the Jesus we've been taught to imitate and the Jesus of the Bible are two completely different people. The Jesus we've been taught to imitate is a child's perception of Jesus that we learned when we were little kids. Let me explain. When a little kid asks where babies come from, we tell them babies come from mommy's belly. It's only when they're old enough and mature enough to understand that we explain how babies really come into the world. We're not lying to them when they're small. We're just giving them a simplistic answer to something they're not old or mature enough to understand. The same is true with explaining Jesus. We tell kids that Jesus loves everyone and that he's our friend, our buddy. We're not lying to them. We're just not giving them the full reality. The problem is we never learn the realities of Jesus' love. Does he love everyone? Of course he does. Is he our friend? You bet. But a kid's idea of the concept of love is altogether different from an adult's, and we're still stuck with a child's perception of the love of Jesus. A child's perception of love is hugs and kisses. They end up with this perception of Jesus as syrupy sweet and what we adults consider namby-pamby. But that's not reality. One of the reasons your best friend is your best friend is because he or she always tells you the truth, even when that truth isn't pleasant or one you don't want to hear. Truth is the basis of a healthy, productive relationship. So it's an injustice to yourself and Jesus to expect any less from him. If Jesus is our friend, which he is, then we should expect absolute truth from him. The biblical Jesus... The reality of who he is isn't the child's perception of Jesus as syrupy sweet and what we adults consider namby-pamby. The bottom line is Jesus loves everyone, but he isn't nice. He's brutally honest. I don't practice nice Catholicism. Jesus wasn't nice in the things he said either. He was full of love, but love doesn't equate to being nice. He called men broods of vipers white-painted sepulchers full of dead men's bones, hypocrites, liars, and chased them out of the temple by beating them with a whip. Despite that Jesus wasn't nice, he'd already developed quite a following of disciples before he even performed his first miracle at the wedding feast in Cana. Why? Because truth sells, a lesson Madison Avenue politicians and, sadly, many Catholics in authority have never learned. Adults have an inherent need and desire for truth because the human mind was made for truth. The whole truth, not just the partial truth we give children. Nice Catholicism, which is worrying about truth being offensive to people and being politically correct, is the biggest reason why Catholics don't know their faith, why so many people leave the church, and why we aren't making converts these days. Did I mention that 6.5 people leave the church for everyone who joins? Truth isn't controversial, and it's not possible for it to be offensive. Truth is truth, plain and simple. Truth may get folks emotionally worked up, but it's not controversial. Is 2 plus 2 equals 4 controversial? Of course not. 
but someone who doesn't want to face that truth may become emotionally charged. People like those are why there's still a flat earth society today. No kidding. Look it up. At the end of the day, truth remains truth. It's immutable. The best definition of truth is when the mind conforms to reality. It has nothing to do with subjectivism and everything to do with objectivism. Feelings don't come into play when dealing with truth. You can stand on top of a 40-story building and shout, I don't believe in gravity. Then you can leap off the rooftop and repeat that ridiculous phrase all the way to the ground. Does your subjective opinion that gravity doesn't exist in any way alter the objective reality that it does? No. By the way, the person leaping off the roof will at some point between jumping and impact conform his mind to reality. Anyway, to get back to what I was saying, the biblical Jesus is one who isn't nice because he tells only the brutal truth. He doesn't water it down, but rather gives it to you the way your trusted best friend does. If we're going to actually advance the faith in America, we have to renounce nice Catholicism. We have to give people the absolute truth. The only way that's going to happen throughout the church in America is if we begin to practice truth the way Jesus did individually. Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets, hence the title Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting, and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Late one night, a dying man was brought into a Catholic hospital. Worse yet, he'd led a wicked, sinful, and unrepentant life. The sister in charge offered him a crucifix to kiss. She expected that this rough man would reject the offer, but he eagerly seized the crucifix and kissed it over and over. In broken sentences, he spoke of how good God had been to him and how ungrateful and disobedient he'd been to God. Tears gushed from his eyes like a mini waterfall and rolled down his cheeks. Sister used one handkerchief after another to dry those tears of repentance. The man finally died while still weeping over his sins. According to the legend, another man in a nearby bed had the privilege of seeing the judgment of this man who just died. He saw an angel place all the man's sins on one side of a huge scale. Down, down went the scale with the weight of the man's wickedness. 
Was there anything that could level those scales of justice? Then the angel placed something on the empty scale. It was one of the handkerchiefs the sister had used to dry the tears of the dying man. Quickly, that side of the scale descended, far overbalancing the burden of sin on the other side. Tears of heartfelt sorrow for sin, genuine contrition of heart, weighs more with God than years of sin. True contrition counterbalances any and all offenses against the all-good God. For genuine contrition, you don't need to shed tears like the man in the story. But your heart has to shed tears. Your heart has to be stricken with repentance. Your heart has to know and feel that it's... This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.